any final thought that you would want to share uh, with the specifically for the liaisons out there that are struggling with th- with this challenge that we're discussing right now? It's been said many times that the role of the liaison is gonna is gonna go by the wayside. Well, they've been saying that for ten years, and I still hire liaisons. They're a valuable part of my team, and they are the reason why, if I am successful, that I'm successful. It's because of their work. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Shmuel Welcome back to the Nursing Home Podcast, the only podcast that you need to listen to to know what is really going on in this confusing world of the nursing home and post-acute space. My guest today is David Carvelli. David is the Regional Vice President of Business Development for the Point Group here in Massachusetts. And David, it's really, truly an honor to have you on the Nursing Home Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Shmuel. Happy to be here. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking some time. I know that your role is a busy one, and you have lots to do, and the fact that you're giving us a few minutes is really, uh, I'm really indebted to you for that. So jumping right in, thank you. So jumping right in, uh, David, if you don't mind, I know that, you know, we've worked together in the past, and, you know, I know you pretty well. Um, Our listeners don't. Would you mind giving them a brief overview of just who you are professionally and kind of how your professional career evolved to where you are right now? Absolutely, Shmuel. Uh, I'm actually a registered nurse. I've been in nursing for approximately 28 years, starting my career in the Boston marketplace. Mm-hmm. I spent more than half of my career at the bedside, and then... I moved over into uh, LTACs, which in Massachusetts are long-term acute care hospitals, if your listeners are familiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're an intermediary between the acute care and the uh, skilled nursing facility and or nursing homes. Mm -hmm. I moved into a role there actually as a liaison, and one of the reasons I did that is it allowed me to explore the business aspect of healthcare while keeping a hand in clinical working, continuing to work in a per diem capacity in uh, my local hospitals. Uh, as I progressed in the liaison role, uh, I had an aptitude for business and marketing, and I moved through the company quickly, uh, becoming a senior VP and spending 11 years uh, at the LTAC. I was very proud to be part of that organization, caring for folks who uh really required a higher level of care, um, took care of a lot of ventilator patients and such, and enjoyed it. Uh, The only reason I left that um, type of role uh, is the reimbursement structure federally uh, impacted LTACs nationally, and uh, we ended up closing our doors, uh, much to the chagrin of many uh, nursing homes and hospitals where we could care for not only their uh, ill patients, critically ill or acutely ill as it were, mm-hmm. and their behavioral patients. So it did leave a void, but I moved from that to uh, 
I moved to that to uh, the nursing home business and quite eye-opening. And I've been here for the last uh, six years uh, with a couple of different companies and usually the same role, which would be a regional VP of business development, which uh, entails uh, everything from admissions on up to financing and contracting. Got it. Well, thank you very much, David, for that full overview. So you're extremely qualified to have this conversation uh, based on your your clinical background. So you really understand the, the product, which is the care that has been delivered in LTACs and in nursing homes and hospitals and any other healthcare setting. But additionally, you have the marketing background, which gives you, you know, the edge up of understanding of how the rubber hits the road and how nursing homes actually acquire those patients and how people actually choose uh, to how they actually end up choosing their nursing homes. So we know uh, even over the last, you know, six years or so that, that you've been in the nursing home world, there's been a dramatic shift in the role of the marketing liaisons. You know, the marketing liaisons are those external marketing professionals hired by the nursing homes to go out there and, you know, lasso those patients and bring them in from wherever they are. So, David, can you tell me a little bit about the shift um, of, that you've seen in the last few years and perhaps what the new evolving role of a liaison really is? Absolutely. Uh, about 10 years ago, uh, liaison roles were filled by either clinical folks uh, with any clinical background, nursing, uh, uh, social work, TOT rehab services, and um, uh, non-clinical folks. It was always nice to have a clinical person in the role, but uh-huh. not necessary. Right. Uh, these folks would get out into the hospitals and acute marketplace. And they more or less had free reign. Uh, hospitals were what we would call open uh-huh. hospitals, where you could walk in. Um, I wouldn't say solicit business, but you could certainly be seen in and around the hospital on the units. Uh, courting business from case managers, uh, following up on referrals. The referral system is how uh, things progress. Uh, and at that time, a lot was fax and phone call. And it was really uh, more grassroots, handshakes, relationships. Uh, and it was more user-friendly for the liaison and uh, more interactive as the mm-hmm. years went by. What I found was uh, security and HIPAA, obviously HIPAA always uh, prominent, but really more security surrounding patients. And now the hospital became more closed, as it were. You had to be invited in. You had to have a rationale and a reason to be there, and really a reason to follow up on something specific. You had to be credentialed so that you could enter these hospitals. And it really uh, became more problematic for people to obtain business. Now, they also use more of the electronic modality to make referrals in a closed system Mm -hmm. directly to the facility where you basically got an electronic chart. And there were times where you could just read, make an offer, have the patient come in without actually laying eyes on the patient, answering questions for them or their family letting them know what the facility was about. So there was no, uh, the app word is liaison uh, between the uh, discharging facility and the accepting facility. Right. Um, I think there are pros and cons to both. Uh, Well, let me jump in there for a second, Uh, David. So in the days of yore, 
days gone by when hospitals were open and fair playing ground for anybody, liaisons were definitely accepted and perhaps even welcomed. What was uh, absolutely welcome. Okay, absolutely yes. welcome. What was the gain on the hospital side of having the liaison come in? And let me just frame the question. If I was a discharge planner, a uh, case manager in a hospital, my job is to get these residents out. I'm sitting there on the phone and I'm working the computer and sending out faxes. Wouldn't it be disruptive to actually have each nursing home come in and saying, can I have this patient? Can I have this patient? And how was that beneficial initially? I believe it was uh, much easier for the discharge planner or case manager where she could call or see the liaison in and say, Mr. Smith is ready to go in the ne- today or the next day. Uh, would you mind reviewing the chart or would you mind screening him? The word is always screen. So what does that mean? So Let, that let's liaison, jump in there. The screen, and as yeah. reading the chart or reading, getting the information, the discharge planner should be sending over that information anyway either via fax, whatever the medium is, but that didn't really change that much, and correct me if I'm wrong. Screening the patient, I understood, and um, I really want to drill down here a little bit, so for the benefit of everybody listening, uh, I was, you know, screening officially meant uh, to ensure that, you know, that the facility is capable of dealing with this and providing the care that this particular uh, patient needs, and also screening for, you know, red flags. If you see the person's breakfast splattered all over the window and, uh, you know, broken glass, then, you know, that might not be the perfect fit for the facility. But from the hospital standpoint, what did they have to gain by doing that in person as opposed to just sending over their information? Uh, ease of access. So the person could come in, as you stated, they're usually very busy mm-hmm. handling other issues, meeting with patients, meeting with doctors. Um, having watched the case management role uh, from a nursing perspective when I was in the hospitals, right? Um, it's difficult there. They have a full plate. So if they can ask a liaison, give a name, go to it, they'll get an answer very quickly. And at that point, the liaison actually would take the information from the chart, from the paper chart, and fax it in. Um, the hospital didn't have to do anything. All the hospital would have to do upon discharge is send their paperwork, which consists of uh, three pages, a page one, page two, and page three, aptly named. Um, mm-hmm. And then they would send uh, a discharge summary, which the doctor would write. Right. And that was it. So it was really uh, a process where you had a lot of people in, and these folks were vying for business. So I actually think when you had people in, you could uh, transition a patient more quickly at times because it was a competitive marketplace. And as you said, there are red flags to the screening process because unfortunately either things don't always get covered or it can be difficult to accept the patient and sometimes um, the information isn't readily available so you can glean that from a conversation with a patient uh, from looking at the physical environment, as you said. Now, uh, I wouldn't say anything as dramatic as uh, uh, what you had stated earlier, right. but certainly along, along those lines, there are red flags. Right. And uh, you can see and ask people on the floor and nurses, you can interact, how is patient, you know, A, a today? Oh, they're better today, but yesterday they were very non-compliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we had to call what sometimes they might call a code gray, mm-hmm. which be a, be a psychiatric or a security code. Mm-hmm. And that can be done for a number of reasons. But you can gain so much more information <clears throat> by being inside. The flip side of that, Shmuel, is I can see more patients electronically in a day than I can physically just by the demographic. Now, of course, if I'm in a single hospital and they want five patients seen, I can get a lot of ground covering. But imagine if you have five screens and they're at five separate hospitals. Uh, the time it takes in Boston is a little bit easier because of the congestion of the acute facilities. Mm-hmm. Their proximity is fairly close. Right. But imagine a rural area where the nearest hospital, the next hospital, is 40 miles away. Right. You know, think of it that way. Okay. So there are pros and cons. Got it. So... So that actually, you know, that shows clearly that there was definitely a benefit on both ends and the face-to-face communication definitely was beneficial for the hospital, for the nursing home and for the patient in question to ensure that they end up in the right place. And, and you know, it's in liaison's best interest to ensure that, you know, that he or she doesn't just get another head in the bed or another patient in the door because if there are issues that... that that the liaison missed, you know, they're going to come, the facility's going to come running back. Like, why did you send us X? You know, we can't deal with this. But so. That's a hundred percent correct. And actually to, to uh, uh, add to that, uh, it adds a level of comfortability to uh, patient families having a face and a person who represents that home can answer questions and they are more comfortable with their transition. It's better it can be better customer service for that person. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, sometimes the families will like kind of associate a particular facility with the liaison, even though the liaison is not involved in operations or not more than, you know, sometimes just the initial One, paperwork. 100, 100% full because that's the face of the, uh, that's your first interaction, your first contact, and that person becomes the face of that facility. And they are reachable, but as you said, they're in the field. But mm-hmm. that is your point of reference, is that liaison, yes. Got it. So uh, just one more point here, then I want to move on to something else. But So why has there been this shift? If it was better for the hospital, better for the patient, better for the nursing homes, why is, is it that we come in now, and I could speak from my personal experience as well, is, you know, if you're lucky, if you can find the case manager's office or if you're working with a liaison or a marketer that's grandfathered in and, you know, has access and they look the other way. But for the most part, you're really, really not welcomed if, if you're not downright escorted out of the building. So why the shift if it's really better for everybody? Security and privacy, uh, I feel in, in today's day and age, um, it's a very uh, motivating factor for people to have a safe hospital, a safe environment, minimal contact, uh, patient information uh, being viewed by 100 people or by, you know, uh, 30 people. You're going to pick the 30 every time because they want to protect their patient's confidentiality. Also, with the electronic modalities, they can reach more facilities with the press of a button than you can by having people in. You can literally, in the state of Massachusetts, if people are affiliated or associated with the electronic modality, press a button and send the same screen to 50 different places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you get your response, you're casting a wider net. So, so although the customer service, I feel, has gone down, 
uh, the productivity for the hospital, I believe, has gone up. Got it. Got it. Okay, so it basically makes more sense this way. I mean, you actually have more eyes that are, I think you can have more eyes viewing the information because, like, you send it out to 50 facilities instead of the local three, four, five screeners. A lot more people have access to it, but at the end of the day, you have a much better chance of getting the right person at the right facility accepting. Let, let's move on to just a, another aspect. Uh, also, a change and a shift in the way nursing homes market and relate to their acute care partners. Uh, and that is, if you go back five, ten years ago and you speak to nursing home owners, operators, marketers, people in your role, it was almost always a goal to try and see how to um, how to gain the favor of some of the physicians and the clinicians within the hospital, uh, develop those relationships in legitimate ways, hopefully, and after really developing a relationship and showing them that your facility or company with multiple centers is a good facility to partner with, so the hope and the idea was that the referrals would would uh, would peak and would grow from there. Does does that still hold any water? Is that still true? And is that still a good way of doing business from the nursing home end? Uh, I don't believe so in Massachusetts. I think that the physicians are spread thin as, uh, as they are. There are so many layers in a hospital from an attending physician to uh, a teaching hospital to the uh, residents, to the interns, uh, to students, uh, everybody who's uh, there. There's just so many layers that that attending physician uh, is not going to be a referring uh, person. The referral source is the case manager who has done their due diligence on where they feel the appropriate uh, facilities are or companies or groups. Um, mm -hmm. I believe that's how you market. And one of the other things is you used to be able to go in when they were open and market to a physician and, you know, you could court them. Now you can't do that. Now it's based more off education. So a quick example, uh, I would offer education in a building, uh, in a facility, or expertise in a matter that is important to them. One of the things that I do is substance abuse, which nationally uh, is an issue for every town and every community. Mm -hmm. And these patients need care. Mm -hmm. So I work specifically on a program uh, in many hospitals to assist these individuals, get them the right care, and uh, have them uh, get back into the community or to their prior living situation. But because I had that knowledge, I was able to get in, market, buy facilities, educate the discharge planners and or physicians if they were uh, present. And that's how I would build my business now. It's more based on education uh, for these facilities, uh, the, uh, the quickest throughput and most effective throughput for their patients. Got it. Got it. I mean, and this goes back to one of the uh, truths of marketing, which is really goes even, it's even more fundamental to the truths of human relationships. If you're going to come in every day and say, give me patience, give me patience, give me patience, even in, if they allow you in the door and they actually listen to you say those words, it won't be really that effective because no, it won't really be that effective because people don't want necessarily, uh, people don't respond to that so well. But if like you take a different approach, 
what act what what need do the you know who's the decision maker case managers what's the value that you can bring them education and substance abuse so that they can better place and manage their residents and their patients with successful outcomes provided to them and you become the one who provides that value so then you know value follows both ways it's just the you know that's the go-giver concept of bob berg i don't know if you're familiar with the book but um, but this is the general truth of of marketing. So just m- for the sake of time, moving on just a little bit here. If uh, you know now that the job and the relationship has changed so dramatically for the clinical liaisons, external marketers, or what, whatever name we refer to our agents in the field who are trying to bring the patients, residents into the nursing homes, what would you say is a uh, are there other opportunities? They can't really get in. So yeah, they're on their laptops and tablets and responding to all these online inquiries and trying to convert whatever they can. But being that they don't really get the FaceTime except for you know, the educational opportunities that you mentioned, is there a, a different way or an, an emerging method for liaisons to best maximize their time and to be the most effective in helping their centers succeed? Yes, I don't. I don't think um, there's any magic bullet for this, but I do think being available, uh, being uh, aware of uh, different groups, different conferences, uh, different uh, uh, community uh, uh, roles. And when I say that, roles for senior centers or assisted living facilities, uh, places like that you can get out and into more readily and many times they'll have relationships with the acute facilities so it's an ancillary way of going about it um it certainly has to culminate with many different approaches but Mm -hmm. for example if there's an acute hospital and you know that they're heavily vested in orthopedics and they have a talking or speaking series or if they're having uh, uh, conferences that you can attend, you get there. Then you get your FaceTime. And remember, if somebody's talking about uh, it's a topic that they're passionate about, mm-hmm. they want to speak about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I discussing what's on, the, on this podcast, uh, I enjoy what I do and like to share my knowledge. But really, at the end of the day, it's for the betterment of a patient. And if we can do that for human beings and really show our passion for caring, we'll find a way to do it. But it is difficult to move in the marketplace. You have to be creative and you have to be uh, be accessible, be available all day, every day, weekends. Make it easy for that referral source to get their patient into the appropriate facility. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, then you're going to gain more business, more respect, more positive outcomes, and you'll be better situated to succeed in your role. Got it. Got it. So basically being super available, letting them know how to reach you, when to reach you, the best methods, and then also expanding into the community marketing. Now, I know that the, the a big distinction between going to hospitals and trying to walk out with referrals and going to community centers and, and conferences and events, finding assisted living facilities, adult day centers, which we have a podcast coming up about that um, in the next couple of weeks. 
but those are not going to produce admissions today, which there's a sense of urgency because our admissions pay the bills that, you know, I have a choice. I could either go to four hospitals today and hopefully get some, you know, FaceTime with people that are decision makers, or I could go to a senior center and start developing a relationship that can take weeks and months to really nurture and develop and maybe will either lead us to someone in the hospitals, which is why people are more reluctant to go down that road. But I was really hoping you would mention this because I know from experience um, that doing both, obviously, at the same time, but with a serious, you know, taking taking some of the additional resources, time, money that cannot be used as well in the hospital setting and devoting some of that towards community marketing can really go a long way. Now, just before we wrap up Hi. here, go ahead. I agree with that. You have to remember that what you're doing is laying the groundwork. Yes, uh, your visits are not going to give you the patient immediately, but what, what they will do is lay some groundwork, reputation within the community, awareness, and that allows, you know, it allows you to do these things from a different vantage point and really get the word out there. But if we're talking about immediate, uh, uh, immediate admissions and business, yeah, be available, be there, uh, accessible, availability, persistence. And it's a fine line with persistence school. You don't want to be difficult, mm-hmm. but you want to be available. And that may be uh, a quick nod in the hallway. Hi, I'm here. If you need me, reach out. I'm available. It goes a long way that you're there. And eventually, that persistence will pay off in the form of increased census. Absolutely. Got it. So before we wrap up here, David, any final thought that you would want to share uh, with the specifically for the liaisons out there that are struggling with the, with this challenge that we're discussing right now, or any particular story that comes to mind uh, from your experience, or maybe some of the liaisons that worked for you that really demonstrate this point. And if not, that's fine. No, with persistence, yeah. I mean, you can get out there, and you might. Uh, miss the opportunity or offer. So many times you offer a bed and a patient uh, may opt to take a different bed. Well, it's not personal. It's business. When that patient shows back up, because a lot of it is recidivism, you offer again. Eventually your persistence may pay off. And, you know, just because you don't succeed the first time, continue to uh, forge ahead. And remember that the role that you have is is important. I mean, if it wasn't important, these uh, physicians wouldn't be there. You are providing a service to patients that's invaluable, and they may not see all the hard work that you put in. But just be persistent and really understand your role and just keep plugging away. And any idea is a good idea. And broach it with your uh, colleagues. Come up if you think, hey, you know, I want to do this. Um, here's an example. Uh, I did a dehydration uh, teaching for elders, and I wasn't courting any patients. I went in for education um, to the hospital. I offered a CEU, which is a continuing education unit, which nurses have to have uh, accumulated every two years mm-hmm. in order to re-up their license. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get it just by showing, getting there, offering something. You'll pick up referrals. They're there. You can get them. Just keep 
keep your nose to the grindstone. It's been said many times that the role of the liaison is gonna is gonna go by the wayside. Well, they've been saying that for ten years, and I still hire liaisons. They're a valuable part of my team, and they are the reason why. If I am successful, that I'm successful. It's because of their work, and that's what uh, that's what I pass on. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, David, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. You've really shared so generously, you know, from your knowledge, expertise, and experience. And I really appreciate him for all the liaisons out there. Um, you can thank David as well uh, for, you know, for, for sharing exactly, you know, what is going on and what, what's it really like right now uh, trying, to get, uh, trying to get those patients into the nursing homes. And I really, really love the way you frame the role. You know, there are some liaisons and perhaps maybe even some companies that view the liaisons as these these creatures with long claws. <laughs> Their job is to grab those elusive patients that are just floating around and, you know, and tie them down and bring them in. And what you framed that so much better is that you're providing a real service. You know, if you follow through the story of the 75, 85, 95-year-old mother or grandmother who was healthy and fell and broke a hip and ended up in the emergency room, never thought about nursing homes in their entire life, never really knew what it was, and all of a sudden now has to make this perhaps life-altering decision with no information or very little information and very little time to make that decision. And you're there. The liaison is there, either in person, on the phone, or even just looking through their referral, understanding what the patient is going through and helping guiding them through the process it is an extremely valuable service to the to the patient, to the family, and frankly to the hospital and the nursing home as well. So, and with that focus, I really believe, and I think you know this as well. If that's really where you're coming from, you come across to all those involved as someone who wants to provide value, someone who is of service, and someone that people want to hang around and continue, you know, sharing business both ways. Anyway, thank you, David. That was really uh, insightful of you. So, thank you for sharing that perspective. I absolutely appreciate the time and the opportunity, and I would say to my colleagues who get to listen to this, uh, your jobs your jobs are wonderful. What you do is you provide to the people who are most vulnerable in our area when you're doing a fine job. Keep it up. Okay. I really think it's worthy and uh, uh, very satisfying. So I applaud everybody that takes this role it does it to the best of their ability. Thank you, Shmuel. All right. Thank you so much, David, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. We look forward to speaking with you in the future. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. You too, brother. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.